Hi, and welcome to Cameron's Baptist Church Sermons Podcast. We hope you're blessed by today's message. And I'm going to talk to you this morning on the subject of the everlasting joy of salvation. Let me ask a question. Don't answer me because I don't want to know. But I want to ask this question for yourself. What was, or what is, or what was the worst thing you have ever done in your life? Let me translate that. What is the worst sin you have ever committed in your life? That you think is the worst thing that you've ever done? So here we find a man called David. A man which the Bible tells, even God himself says, he's a man after my own heart. How can a man after God's own heart do what he did? So I want to challenge you this morning to reflect on this subject of great significance and of eternal importance for you and I, the everlasting joy of salvation, as we look at Psalm 51. You know, Psalm 51 presents one of the most intimate and profound confessions found within the Word of God. And in this psalm we find... The famous verses that we just finished reading, which is from 7 to 12. Cleanse me with high soap and I will be clean. Wash me. Wash me and I will be whiter than the snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. And he says, restore the joy of your salvation and grant me with a willing spirit to sustain me. And as we read Psalm 51, almost as if we were looking over David's shoulder, watching him as he is literally engulfed with the conviction of guilt that he had because of what he did. It is not hidden anymore for David. He was found out and he cannot get away with it. And the reality of his sin is overwhelming and his sin caught up with him. So, have you ever felt that way? Like you are confessing and then you feel the guilt and the shame and that overwhelming guilt over you. If you haven't you may need to hear this. This message is for you this morning. If you never felt that way, you need to hear this message with an open heart before the Lord. And I pray that the Lord will speak with you. So the background of this psalm is, is reference to the second Samuel chapter 11, if you're familiar with the scripture, and which is named David and Bathsheba. Uriah... Bathsheba's husband, he was out in the battle battle fighting for his king and David took his wife. Then he tried to cover his tracks. So David then sent sent for Uriah trying to get him to go and, and be with his wife to see if he could hide whatever he did. But Uriah was a noble man. And David rewarded his nobleness by having him killed. How horrible that is. That's the truth. That's the naked truth 
that the Bible tells us. So when Bathsheba's time of, of mourning was over, David brought her to his house and she became his wife to have his child. And we know the child died, that child died. But Psalm 51 is a confession and this confession emerges from a dark chapter in David's life. And the whole Israel's story. As a, a tale, is, is, this, is it actually a narrative of disaster involving Bathsheba and Uriah. So the seriousness of his sin cannot be understated. So the, drast, the drastic consequences that his sin unleashed were beyond David's imagination even. I'll give you a little bit more of that in a while. But David was a guilt of both adultery and murder. And according to the law, he deserved to die. Are you following me? So however the scripture says in 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse, uh, chapter 11 verse 27. The thing that David had done displeased the Lord. So God sends Nathan the prophet. Nevertheless, God did not take away the consequences of his actions. Although he forgave him. You know, many times in our lives, as I said here before, I'll say it again, we make choices or we have made choices that uh, were not pleasing to the Lord. Although the Lord forgave us, we still have to take responsibility for the consequences of our actions. But God will give you grace to go through it. This is what the Lord God of Israel says. I'm reading from Samuel, 2 Samuel. I anointed you king over Israel and rescued from Saul. Now verse 8. I gave you your master's soul's house and his wives. I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if this weren't enough, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise my word by doing what I considered evil? You had Uriah the Hittite killed in battle. You took his wife as your wife. You used the Ammonites to kill him. So warfare or the sword will never leave your house because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Let me tell you, God will always honor a noble man. Even if injustice is made against him. He says, I will, this is what the Lord says. I will stir up trouble against you within your household. And before your own eyes, I will take your wives and give them to someone close to you. He will go to bed with your wives in broad daylight. You did this, in, you did this secretly, but I will make this happen in broad light in front of all Israel. How is that? God forgave him, but that's the word of the Lord. Let me give you a little bit of description on how this scripture came to pass. But before that, let me pray. Father God, as once again we are here before you and we do need your grace and mercy today. You know our hearts. You know what we have done. We know the state of our being. You know exactly where we are right now in our lives. And we ask you, Lord, that you come and speak to us this morning. Use your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
How many of you are familiar with the story of Absalom? The third son of David. Absalom, Absalom means the father of peace. Absalom or Abba Shalom. Absalom, that was his name. Abba, father of peace. He was the third son of David. His mother was called Maka, I think. And she was the daughter of a king called, what's his name? I, put, I wrote it down here. A king of Geshur, which is whatever pronunciation is here. He was a, he was a king of Geshur. King of Geshur. And Absalom was described as the most handsome man in the kingdom. Imagine. In my house, I am the most handsome in my kingdom. Although we have a cat, male cat, but I am the one. But, uh, you know, Absalom was already upset with his father David. Because what God said to David through Nathan, he said, the sword will not depart from your house. David had also daughters. One of his daughters called Tamar, which was Absalom's sister. And David had, his firstborn was called Amnon. That was David's firstborn, Amnon. He was the heir to his kingdom. If that was made purposely or was some kind of kind of uh, a, a setup by Absalom or whatever counseling he was getting from somebody that we're going to probably see in a bit of while. This is this is my um, how do I call my theory <laughs> in one sense, my scholastics on that. So there was a plot within Absalom circle of friends and influence so thinking about it because David did not punish Amnon for what he did what he did he raped his Absalom sister which was his half sister and David did not punish him or did not did what he was supposed to do but he just kind of wishy-washy let it go Absalom was furious and he was a revengeful person. And Absalom one day gave a, a banquet and invited all king's son for the banquet. And that were Amnon. And on that day, Absalom killed Amnon in front of everybody as a revenge. And Absalom, of course, was hidden somewhere. But there is a second son of David, which his name is translated as Daniel, which is his name was um, Caleb or Shelab, whatever uh, pronunciation in Hebrew is, I think it's Caleb, which is translated Daniel. But he was not very well mentioned. It looks like or possibly he died. Because now you don't, see anything about him anymore except what you read in, in Chronicles uh, um, in, in First Chronicles chapter 3 when it, it, it tells all the children of David but anyway now Absalom is the third son which now he's had the right to the throne Amnon is dead Shelab or Caleb is not there no Absalom the third son he then rebelled against his father and then what does he do? He does exactly what the Lord said through Nathan he would do. Absalom took David's wives. And he rebelled against David. And there was one guy. When David heard that this guy was supporting Absalom, was giving Absalom counsel, David feared. Because this guy called Haithophel. Ahitophel, I think his name was pronunciation was. Who was this man, Ahitophel? He was no more than Bathsheba's grandfather. Imagine a grandfather now know what David did with his son's daughter. 
husband, which drastically, dramatically, horribly ended his life and his and her marriage or his marriage. Ahithophel was David's most trusted war counselor or advisor. Every advice from Ahithophel, when David followed, he won every battle because the word of God used to say that when Ahithophel opened his mouth was as if the Lord was speaking through him when giving him, giving David advice regarding war. Now David prayed. When David heard that Ahithophel was now upset or was now supporting Absalom on his rebellion, he prayed that the Lord was somehow confused. Absalom would probably not trust Ahithophel's advice. The daughter of his son had a tragic end to her marriage because of what David did. How would you react to that yourself? Your son. Now your granddaughter. I'm expecting mine. Maybe today is the last day you see Bella as big as she is. Was due yesterday. But she decided to come for one more communion before she comes out. So Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, was killed through the convincing plan of David and his desperate attempt to hide the fact that he was the father of the child that Bathsheba was carrying. So when David learned that that woman he wanted was married with the granddaughter of Ithophel, his most trusted advisor, he should have come to his senses and abandoned his plans to take advantage on her. He was blinded by lust. Instead, he forced himself upon her despite this information. His decision to sin this way had tragic consequences for him and many others. As a result of these Observation, it seems possible that Ayatophel never got over his betrayal by David. And he was waiting for this opportunity to get revenge because David had harmed his family. What a tragic story, isn't it? What is your story? What is your story? How tragic is it? I'm sure it's not like David once. I hope not. But if he does, anyway, God has grace, enough grace, mercy and compassion for you this morning. It may not be as tragic as David. Nevertheless, you may be terrified by your story. You may feel guilt and shame over it. You may lose sleep over it. Or you may shed many tears over it and you are afraid of the consequences it may bring over your life or have already brought that consequences and the lives of those around you. Sounds bad, doesn't it? So much so that you may have lost the joy of your salvation. The joy of his salvation. Or you may never experience that salvation at all, that joy at all. But today is your day. The Lord brought you here this morning for this purpose. To set you free from your guilt, from your shame. And to come to know him as your Savior and Lord. And that will give you joy everlasting. Come and express your concerns at the foot of the cross. And I guarantee you that Jesus will set you free. Let us turn to Psalm 51 where David expressed his two main concerns. So I want to go back to the beginning of the psalm. From verse 1 to 9. You know, the first concern of David is 
removing sin has it outlined from verse 1 to verse 9. David vividly pleads for mercy, understanding that he does not deserve it, but desperately need it. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. He acknowledges God's character with three words. As I mentioned right at the beginning, mercy is steadfast love and great compassion. David is appealing to God's, to a God who possesses these qualities, these attributes. Listen, if you serve a God who does not possess this quality, let me tell you, he's not a God. He's a tyrant. He's a, a product of your imagination or, or, or other people's ill imagination. David acknowledged that his only hope lies in God's mercy. What it is, what does it mean, mercy? What mercy means? Mercy means to put somebody's heart in somebody else's misery. That's what David said. Lord, I know I'm... I know I'm a sinner. He doesn't claim to deserve it. But he knows that God is just and compassionate. This is a crucial starting point for all of us. If it was for David, I think we should start right there. I don't know where you stand now in your life, or whatever you've been through, or whatever your past was, whatever disgraceful or, or horrible attitude or, or, or sin you committed, there is enough grace in Christ and mercy in Christ to restore your life and the joy of his salvation to you this morning. Next, the second thing, next, the second concern of David. David openly confessed his actions without any attempt to justify or conceal them. He uses three words. He described his sin. He says, my transgression, he, he used the word transgression. Transgression is an active rebellion. He used the word iniquity. Iniquity is an open perversion. Yes. And he uses the word sin, which is, which is a cosmic treason. Because he says, against you, you only I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So David's confession is raw and honest. Can you do that today before the Lord? Can you tell him exactly what you have done without trying to justify your actions? Because you can't justify your actions before the God Almighty which is holy and just. If we try to justify the God, oh Lord, you know, I did that because the flesh is weak, you know. Of course he does. He created you. He knows how stupid we are when it comes to that. Let's not try to justify before the Lord our sins. All we have to do when we come before God is to repent from our sins because it was against Him alone. David's not saying, oh, he, I, I, I sinned against Bathsheba, Uriah, Ithophel. Everybody knows that it's against you, Lord, that I sinned. You. Because the Lord said, you define me. You rebelled against me. You despised me. You see how horrible it is to despise the Lord? We despise the Lord every time we sin against him deliberately out of our rebellion. David knows that God has every right to judge him according to, his, according to the severity of his actions. What would you expect for somebody who murder? Today you go to jail for years. Unless you are in Brazil. But then David uses three words for forgiveness. He uses three words for forgiveness. He used blot out. He asked God to blot out his transgressions. 
He asked God to wash away his iniquity. And he asked God to cleanse him from his sin. Each word carries significant meaning. Reflecting his desire to be restored to a right relationship with God. How is your relationship with God today? Do you want your relationship to be restored? Then ask God, blot out my transgression. Cleanse me from my iniquity. Lord, and wash me away from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sins. He desperately wanted His joy restored. He knew that the presence of God meant so much to him that he could not go without it. He wants it back. Do you desire that relationship with God when you feel what you felt first time? Do you long for that relationship again? Do you desire that intimate relationship with God again? Ask him, Lord, blot out my transgression. Wash away my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Do you know that about your God? That he is a merciful God, he is a loving, kind God. When David appeals to God's loving kindness, is related to a covenant. He knows exactly, he Touches the covenant part. Do you want your relationship with God to be restored? He knows God is a merciful God, a loving God, and a God of great compassion. Do you know that God is merciful, loving, compassionate towards you this morning? And one of the reasons you're here is because His mercy has been renewed over you this morning. If you do today... You can do like what David did, like David did. But if you don't, God brought you here today to tell you that you still have a chance to do it right now. There is enough mercy, as I said, plenty love and abundance of compassion to restore the joy of your salvation. You may think, oh, when I, when I came to Christ, you know, everything was marvelous, was fantastic. You know, I say, other people called my first love, right? Let me tell you what happens. Sometimes you are always there. You got that, that love is a, in a good, in a good way, is an is a, is a immature love that grows every day. You love the Lord and you go and you do, but as you go along, you mature your love. And then your love comes with it, commitments that you make with God. When you start to date somebody, okay, and you date the right person, okay, don't be silly, don't look for anywhere else rather than in God for somebody to be your companion. Otherwise, you're going to have a broken heart every time. Wait on God. Trust God. Because He knows what is best for you. Don't be silly. God is a good God. I waited 30 years. Got this woman. Praise God. Wonderful. (laughs) Thank you. You see, let me tell you, God is a God who is interested in your love life, in your, in your romance. Okay? But when you're dating somebody, what do you do? You go in stages. And you mature, as you mature your love, you get to know the person, then you get to commit yourself more and more. This is how we should look at the first love when you come to know Christ. As you develop your relationship with Christ, He will be speaking to you. The Holy Spirit will fill you. You have more commitments. As you grow, He will give you gifts. He will use your talents and you're going to do it for His glory. You're going to have other people to become passionate about Christ because you're still in love with Him. I was passionate with her. Now I'm in love with her. Because love is, it grows. Love grows. It's not a sea of rose, let me tell you. If it's like a rose, make sure that you've got some thorns there that will sometimes, oh, will be itchy. But anyway, or or, or hurt. 
But listen, it is joy that the Lord wants to give you. The joy of eternal salvation, it is a joy that does not depend on the circumstances, either on the size or the severity of your sin, but depends only on the greatness of his mercy, his love and his compassion. As long as we come before him in a, as in, with a contrite heart like David did. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your love. According to your great compassion. Moving on. We often, you know, seek joy in life's fleeting moments, don't we? But these joys lose their radiance when faced with the uncertainty of our mortality. I have a, um, a person who, well, a guy which I, I did marry him. He called me Uncle Robson. He, he married with my, my sister's um, stepdaughter. He calls me Uncle. Every time I come, he asks for my blessing. He's a lovely guy. A um, couple weeks ago, he fell from 10 meters high, and he, he, he's paralyzed now. I, yesterday, I asked about him. And then I asked, my, my niece didn't send me the picture on our family group. She sent on, 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 a, on privately. It said, Uncle, I didn't want to send you there. But this is how he looks now. He looks like a 60-year-old man. He's a very young man. He see his, his face down. And I can imagine now a, a guy full of life and energy now paralyzed he was blessed not being paralyzed from the neck down because he was operated. Now he's paralyzed from his waist down. And you can see his face down. If I show you, you, would, you wouldn't guess how old he is. And he's now, he's thin. His legs started to get thinner. Please remember, pray for Hansel. His name is Hansel. Remember him in your prayer. And Daphne is his wife. He's got two, he's got two children. Young boy and uh, and a little girl. You know when you suddenly are in your vitality and are filled with certain many joys in your life, and then calamity strikes you, and then all oh, your joy has gone, all your happiness has finished. Life itself is precious, but short in the grand tapestry of time. You have no idea what's waiting for you in an hour's time. I'll have finished this service by then, God willing. You know, as Christians, we are reminded of the immeasurable joy of salvation through Christ Jesus. Psalm 51, 12's plea. Restore the joy of my salvation resonates deeply with us who believe. As I said, I don't know what sin have you committed yourself, how horrible, how terrible it was, but I tell you that God is a God of mercy, love, and compassion, great compassion. This joy is like any other Anchored in the certainty of eternal life secured through Christ's sacrifice. When David tells about his sacrifice, if, I, if you were satisfied with sacrifice, I would have given it to you. But I know you are not looking for sacrifice of bulls or, 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 or lamb, whatever, you, whatever it is. Otherwise, I would have given them all to you. In my kingdom, I have many. But Lord, the sacrifice that you require is a contrite heart. It's, it's, it's a broken heart. Are you broken enough this morning through your trials and situations and your sin, your guilt and shame to come before the Lord and say, Lord, I have sinned against you. My iniquity is right before me. Please blot out my transgression. Wash me from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. And then you will, as you 
participate, as you join us in communion, I tell you, you're going to feel a different person this morning. Not because you're taking communion, but because you have taken God's mercy, love, and compassion over your life. Let me conclude my message. How are you going to respond to God's challenge today? He doesn't care how bad your sin is. There is no sin greater than his love and mercy and compassion. I guarantee you that. When did you last feel the joy of being saved by Christ? When was it? He wants to restore it now for you. When was the last time you said like David, I rejoice with those who said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Do you have that joy? You get up in the morning sparkling, you know, I'm coming to the house of God to fellowship my brothers and sisters. I am eager. I want to be there quick as quick as I can. Let me tell you, and I say once again, the Lord is not worried about what you have done or your current condition. He wants you to come to Him as you are. But behold, behold, He does not want you to stay the way you are. He wants to restore the joy of His salvation over you. It's His salvation. It is His doing. It's Christ's sacrifice. Or if you, if you may have never experienced that salvation, you can experience it here today. You will experience a joy as you have never experienced before. Trust me, that's what the Word of God says. You know, the joy of eternal salvation. But you need to respond to Him. And, and your response should be now. Should be today. You may not have another chance. You know, as recipient of God's grace, our response should be surrendering our lives to Him. We must remember that our salvation is a gift. And this joy of salvation empowers us to live with a willing and voluntary spirit dedicated to the one who gave us that eternal life, that eternal joy. In summary, let us never forget that the joy of salvation is not fleeting but everlasting. It transcends the circumstances of our lives rooted in the promise of eternal through Christ Jesus our Lord and Savior. May this joy, my brother and my sister, be your guiding light. Leading you to a life of purpose, gratitude and unwavering faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And as we navigate life's challenges, let us continue to reflect upon our attitude towards God. Humbling, asking Him, as David said, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then you'll be able to teach. Shall we stand, please? Let us embrace this joy with all our hearts, knowing it is a gift that no earthly trial can diminish. May it be the source of strength, motivation, and unwavering devotion to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I said and I say it again. A question, have you lost the joy of your salvation? I'll pray with you. If you have lost it, I'll pray with you. If you have never felt this joy, I'll pray for you. Tell him right now in your heart. And I'll give you a moment as we sing a song. While we're singing, I want you to pray to the Lord and tell him, Lord, I once had this joy in my heart when I served you, when I first came to you. And Lord, I, I must confess I, I don't feel that anymore. I don't feel that anymore. Do you want to feel it? Go beyond your feeling. 
Do you want it? He will impregnate in your spirit this joy, everlasting joy. If you have never felt that in your life, then you need to come to Christ and give your life to Him. Today is your day. You can tell, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. I confess you as I need you desperately of your mercy, your love, and your great compassion. Let's sing. Salvation belongs to our God. He'll sit on the throne. And to the sister and as it comes to you now they come to you now with their hearts asking you to restore the joy of their salvation Holy Spirit of God do it right now we ask you in Jesus name Lord is anyone here this morning who have never felt this joy and now wants to confess you as the Lord and Savior of their lives. I pray right now, Holy Spirit of God, that a great conviction will, conviction will come in, into their hearts right now. That their understanding will be open right now. And they will see who you are. How terrible sinner. And how great Savior. And that you, Jesus Christ, a Savior, come and blot out the transgression. Wash away the iniquity and cleanse from sin. I ask you that your blessing be upon them and receive the Holy Spirit now in Jesus' name, I pray. I minister to you the power of the Holy Spirit over your life to conquer the power of sin over your life and be restored of everlasting joy of His salvation over you. Amen. Amen. You may be seated, please. Shall we take the offerings? Thank you, Sam. Jay. Thank you. 
everybody receive the wine and the bread? Is anybody else who have not yet received? Did we all? The Lord Jesus denied that he was betrayed. He took bread and he broke and he gave thanks. He said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this every time you do it in remembrance of me. The Bible says he took away our iniquities, our sins, our sorrows, our pain over him. And it was nailed on that cross. He said, every time you do it, remember that. Remember not your sins, but what he done for your sins to be forgiven. And there is no way on earth, in heaven or anywhere, that healing cannot take place in your life and blessing cannot come upon you because of what he did on that cross. Not only that, but after he had broken bread and given the bread, he said he took the cup and said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. The blood that David prayed for, wash me with high soap and I'll be completely clean. Wash me, Lord, and I'll be whiter than the snow. Is there anything else that you know in your life that is whiter than snow? That's how your heart is when it is washed by the blood of the Lamb. But let me tell you, let me warn you also, those who take this cup and this, and, you know, this bread and this wine without understanding what it is, the Bible says it brings condemnation on yourself. Therefore, examine yourself how you take it, how you do it. That's a serious matter. That's why I'm not angry. But I'm saying, I'm warning you in Jesus' name, do not take it lightly because you will bring in judgment upon yourself. If you live a life that is not worthy, the calling of Christ Jesus, of his sacrifice on the cross, please don't play with that because that's not a playground. This is not something that you can just take it lightly. It is the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. When you go to a mass and you go to a Catholic church, they may put something in your mouth. They ask you not to chew it because you're going to chew in the body of God. Let me tell you, this bread continues to be bread. It does not become the body of Christ. This wine is just, a, a, is, it is a, the juice, it does not become the blood of Jesus. But it is a powerful symbolism that we as a Christian understand as the blood of Christ that was shed on the cross for you and I, for your sins and mine. Do not take it lightly, please. I beg you, for your own sake, according to the scripture. You want to change your life? Change your life. Let God change you. Let God renew you. Let God transform your attitude. How is your vocabulary? Still the same? How is your attitude? Is it the same in the world? You go around, flirt around. You commit all kinds of things without knowing or without perceiving and understanding that God is right there beside you. If you say you have the Holy Spirit of God, you're grieving the Holy Spirit of God. Take it seriously with you. We are members of His body. Let me tell you, Jesus also said, I am the vine and my father is the husbandman. Or mean, he is the one who cleans the branches. If you are not producing fruit, you will be pruned and be thrown into the fire. This fire, it is the things that you go also through life without hope and expectation to get better because you're already living in hell. Do not confuse yourself with hell and the lake of fire. There are a lot of people in hell. The Bible says, I will Build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It is a dimension, yes it is. But there are a lot of people out there already living in the great hell because they do not know Christ. Hell is a place where there is darkness and the presence of God is absent. Hell is the absence of God's presence. If your life is without God, that means your life is already in hell. Come out of hell in Jesus' name. And see the light of Christ. And accept Him as Lord and Savior of your life. But do not 
mock God in any way by participating, taking communion lightly, thinking that, oh, it's just, uh, I do because if I don't do it, people think badly about me or I've been sinned. It's, it's, it's better that way than to be judged by God and have all the consequences of you, you didn't want to over your life. Please listen to this humbly, this humble warning. But it's from all my heart. Please do not take that lightly. Fear God and His presence. Thanks for listening. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. If you want more information about Camrose Baptist Church, visit our website www.camrosebc.org.uk. Follow us on Instagram at Camrose Baptist Church and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Camrose Baptist Church Edgeware. Thank you.